Well, today we're having a great conversation. Amanda Hyde, President and CEO of STR. Amanda's a 15-year vet in our industry. So she's seen previous recessions, and she says this one feels different. Let's see what the stats show for 2020, how bad it really was, and what she predicts for 21 and 22. Thanks for joining. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. You're a, you're a, you're a trooper for coming on this. <laughs> Thanks, Tig. It's good to see you. Where are you? You look like you're in the office. I am in the office in Hendersonville. One of only about five people in the office, but yes, I'm coming in every day. Uh, yeah, I bet you guys are probably not open. Uh, I hope you're well. How's the family? Have you guys done spring break yet? It's spring break season. We are headed to Steamboat Springs, Colorado next week for spring break. This is our, um, we tried to do it for spring break last year and arrived in Steamboat on the day that they closed every mountain ski mountain in North America. So we're trying again in 2021. So we'll see if it's a success or not. Uh, so did you have to leave the mountain and turn around and go home? Cause everything was shut down? We. Um, we tried to stay for a couple of days, but I was working and everything was closing in the, in the town. So we just came home and started quarantining at home in March of last year. How's the snow? What have you heard? I haven't heard actually. I've been on the road and, um, super busy with work. So I've not even thought about spring break yet. I'll think about that on Friday. So Lee was just out there with his family. We had spring break last week. Lee was just out there with his family. He said it was great. So you're going to enjoy it. Love it. Good. It's a, it's a first time for me. I've never been snow skiing. Uh, I know. All right. Bunny no, school. I'm a water skier. Oh, then you got it. If you got water skill skis, you got it. I was going to suggest bunny slope and a ski lodge, but you got it. If you're a that's snow, water my, skier. No, that's dirt. definitely my speed. Definitely my speed. Uh, I love it. So you mentioned travel. Are you, have you been traveling? I mean, through this pandemic? I have. I have. Um, I traveled last year um, pretty regularly from August to November, at least once a month, seeing clients and meeting with clients and doing some different meetings. But it's really this in the last few weeks turned a little more positive in doing group meetings. I was in Orlando three weeks ago for the Central Florida Hotel Association meeting with 300 people in person which was amazing. And then I did the San Antonio Hotel and Lodging Association meeting with about 125 people in person. And then the Memphis Hotel and Lodging Association meeting last week with about 125 people in person also. Good for you. Are you vaccinated? Yes, I am not. Are you just I had COVID in, I had COVID in March of last year. Okay. So I'm not sure that I have any antibody left. So I'm, I'm very cautious and I do testing, at-home testing, like three days before I leave and then about five or six days after getting getting home then I do an at-home lab COVID test kit so just to make sure yeah you've probably tested been tested a hundred times but yeah and and yeah and corporate travel you're okay they're okay with that your new corporate bosses are okay with yes yeah so we are not we don't have tons of money in the budget right now for corporate travel, but there aren't in our industry, a lot of things happening so that, but we do have money in the budget for corporate travel. I mean, for STR in the lodging industry, we have to be willing to be out there on the road. And I have told the team, you know, if our clients want us in person for a meeting, we will be there. I think we have to lead with that expectation if we want to really see this recovery take off in 2021. How long, I got to ask, how long have you been at STR now? It's been a minute. 15 years. Yeah, that's <laughs> 15 years. 
I took over. It's, been, it's actually January was 11 years ago that I took over as president. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. What's it like working for corporate America versus Uncle Randy? Um, it's great. It's so different than, you know, you think you can anticipate it and you understand big corporate companies and everything that I thought would be happening is not the case. It's, it's been much more positive than I expected, probably. Um, and, and I think that has to do with being a founder run company. Mm -hmm. you know, CoStar is still led by our founder, um, Andy Florence is our CEO. And the, the, the thing that I loved about Randy was that long-term vision, willing to invest, and we still have that within CoStar, which has been really excited. So you guys are growing. I mean, you got Europe now, you're getting alternative sort of hostels and, and those others. So talk to, talk to me about the growth. Yes, um, right. We, we started just before the pandemic, we started collecting data in short-term rentals. So we've, we're now doing, we started in Nashville as a pilot because it's our backyard. And now we have three markets that we're doing short-term rental benchmarking in, in the U.S. We have service department and hostels in Europe that we're doing benchmarking for. We also started forward-looking demand data collection. Um, well, we've had a product for years that we inherited when we bought a company out of Scotland, and we started expanding that pre-COVID. We had about 20 markets internationally outside of North America. That's now at about 56 markets internationally, and we just started to collect data in the U.S in about eight markets to pilot. So yes, through all of the pandemic hotel closures, you know, obviously that challenges your data collection methods, but we've still been able to grow. Um, we launched monthly PL in the US in March of last year. Um, but hotels are still, even if they're not open, the forward-looking data has been really beneficial for them. So the data is still flowing and and it helps keep engaged with clients who may not be in the best position right now during COVID. Uh, all right, well, I love it. And I'm excited about the forward-looking data, but let's dive in, let's jump into the data because I don't know, that's what, we, that's what you guys do. Uh, so how bad was 2020? I mean, we all know we felt it pretty badly, but what is the data show? How bad was it? Yes, I know this is the hard part of my job because now I have to talk about how the year went and it's, it's really depressing just how bad it was. But there are some, there are some things that we can show that give us a, a glimpse of what recovery will look like. And the exciting part now this year is that we truly can talk about recovery. But for 2020, we ended up losing um, a third of room demand in the country and about 50% of RevPAR and room revenue. So devastating, worst ever unprecedented, all those words that you've heard used a million times. How did that compare to the last downturn? I mean, no comparison at all. This is so much worse um, than anything that we've seen before. And it, you really can't compare. And, and you'll notice as we start talking about this year, we're comparing everything to 19 because this 2020 was not a normal economic cycle downturn that we've experienced before in our industry. Like our other downturns were typical economic cycles. This was the black swan event that was not normal that you truly cannot compare because it wasn't an economic cycle. It was a disruption to the system. What, what nuances did, did you see? I mean, all the things we think we know, right? That the big cities were down more and the big boxes were down more and the economy stuff did 
Okay. Right. Well, so it, it really, as we talk about what happened in 2020 and as we talk about the recovery, it's really dif- different depending on where you are. There are some hotels in the U.S. that did better in 2020 than they had done in 2019 because we saw smaller markets that were um, drive-to destinations that had sort of wide open spaces. There were hotels that did really well consistently starting in you know, June through October last year. So top 25 markets were hit by far the hardest, large hotels. So the U.S. lost $84 billion in room revenue in the 10 months of COVID. So that's almost five times worse than what we lost in the prior recession, the Great Recession, which was about 18 months. Um, so much, much worse. But when you look at that revenue loss, the top so 50% of that revenue loss happened in medium and large hotels in the top 25 markets. And it's really large hotels across all markets that have been hit the hardest. Um, large hotels, so that's 300 rooms or more, lost $32 million in room revenue in 2020. And that accounted for 38% of our industry's decline in room revenue. The, the top 25 markets will be, large hotels in the top 25 markets will be the last group of hotels that really see, start to see recovery. And the, for, for an industry, we need those hotels to recover. And that will really be the um, sort of barometer of how the economy for our industry is doing, because those are the large hotels that are depending on business travel and group business, group meeting business. What dare I ask, when do you see that coming back? Um, definitely towards the end of this year will be the will be the first signs of light, I think. I mean, there are some there are meetings happening. So we're gonna see smaller meetings like I did in Orlando, three hundred people. You know, that can happen. You can do a meeting with three hundred people and physically distance, wear masks, change how you serve food if you're serving food. I mean, hotels have done a really good job pivoting and being able to host meetings. But will you be able to do a meeting with, you know, two, three, 5,000 people? Um, certainly, we will be looking to Hunter in May to see, you know, can we be in person in 1,000 people or more and, and do that safely? We're uh, so we're the guinea pig and uh, going first, and we're spending a ton of time and energy and money uh, trying to solve that, trying to make everybody feel safe, and learning from the other conferences that are going before us. But let me ask, pick on you. But you felt safe in Orlando with three hundred people. Yes. Um, so we were in a ballroom that you probably would normally see seven hundred people in. Um, yeah. So it was much more space. You had four people at a round table that would normally have eight or 10 people <laughs> in a pre-COVID period. Um, everyone wore masks. You know, I think in our industry, that's, we all know wearing a mask, washing hands, that we have to do that to stay open. And so when we're at conferences, meetings with people within our industry, it's, I feel totally safe. I'll tell you, I've done some personal travel. Um, another part of group business that we're seeing is this sort of youth sports um, travel. And I've done that with my daughter. We actually were in Atlanta a few weeks ago for a cheer competition. And I feel much less safe 
in those settings because you don't have the same commitment to mask wearing and physical distance all, all the time. Sure. And you were probably outside the perimeter of Atlanta where there seemingly is no COVID. <laughs> no, no, I was at the convention center. Oh, oh with 40,000 oh. 40, of my closest friends for a cheer competition. 40,000. Okay. Yeah, they, they, did a, they did a nice job spreading out the space and keeping families to like programs together and moving them through. Um, so they've adapted. But certainly you have people that don't follow all the rules that you have to deal with. Yeah, of course. And that was a convention center. So it wasn't outside. That's inside. I mean, I know it's a huge space. Yes. But okay. Huge space. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's a good sign, I guess, that things are happening. I mean, listen, we need business to come back desperately. So good for you for getting out there. I'm doing my part. Well, when do you see this? All right. So we got leisure. We're talking about group. When do you see the business traveler coming back? Um, second half of the year also. That's, that is completely related to corporate travel programs in place, um, budgets. And they have said, you know, no travel. For the most part, what we're hearing is corporate travel programs have cut their budget for the first half of the year. They've built in an increasing over the six months of the back half of the year. And I think we'll start to see some. Anecdotally, though, certainly as I've traveled over the last few weeks, being in hotels and talking to GMs at the hotels where I am, they say, hey, we're seeing a few more of those single business travelers start to pick up. You know, don't get super excited. It's not, we're still running 40% occupancy, but we are starting to see them trickle in, which is positive news. You know, it all hinges, I think, on vaccination rate and COVID cases. And that's, if we can keep COVID case rates down and vaccinations continuing to climb, I think for our forecast moving forward for 2021, there's a real upside risk that we've missed demand and demand will be stronger than what we anticipated. Um, the, the problem with forecasting in a pandemic, though, is just you trying to figure out what's going to happen with COVID case numbers and vaccination rates. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a total guess. It was a guess pre-pandemic, and now it's a complete guess. But what is yes. it? What do you, yes. what, all right, let's do it. I'd love to see it. What, I, I, what is the data show? What is the forecast for data show? So if, for if 2021, we, um, are, we expect demand to come back at 18% growth rate, um, ADR at a 4.3% growth rate. So that's going to put RevPAR at just over 16% growth for 2021. Um, I will say most people think we're pretty conservative for our forecast. I think the demand is conservative, definitely has opportunity for upside but it all depends on COVID case numbers. I will say, looking at our performance in January and February, the demand came in stronger than what we had forecasted for January and February. So President's Day, Valentine's weekend was, was a lot stronger than we had anticipated. And then of course we had the winter storm in Texas and hotels filling up in Texas right after President's Day where residents were displaced and went into hotels and that certainly helped lift occupancy. But yeah, demand, I think as long as we can keep COVID case numbers down, and that's the real fear where we sit today is, okay, states are starting to open up more and more, spring break is coming, people are traveling, our case count's going to start to come up. I hope we're wrong and our, we've totally missed 
the demand and it's much stronger than what we anticipate. But on the rate side, so far in January and February, we're pretty spot on with our forecast. Okay, there's a lot of questions in there. One, you're traveling, so I'm gonna use you as our guinea pig. And if you're going to cheer competitions and spring break and, and work 300 person conventions in Orlando, that's a great sign. So hopefully that's what we saw in January and February. Maybe spring break comes in March. I'm just trying yes. to get positive here. For sure, it's going to be leisure travelers. I mean, the, the leisure will spring break, I think really starting in May after school gets out, you're gonna see the leisure take off. Um, people, there is pent up demand. People want to travel. We've been at home for a year, like we're over it. Let's get up, get going. You know, the issue is you've got to have people committed to, we still need to wear masks and stay physically distant because there are still COVID cases going around and we are definitely not out of the woods. So that will be, can people follow the rules to keep case counts down? I think spring rates certainly going to be a good test for that. Um, so I think we heard from Mayhul last week here, prediction of Memorial Day to Labor Day, go book your vacations now, book your rooms now, because it's going to be sold out. Totally agree with that. For on the leisure side, now during the week, you can probably get, um, and that's what we've seen up to this point, weekdays are much lower occupancy. It's the weekends where there are higher occupancies. And I know I, I saw that in the hotels that I've been in over the last several weeks. You know, most of the food and beverage outlets and services are closed Sunday through Thursday, and then they open for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, and part of the day on Sunday. Um, that's certainly been the story of the last 10 months since June, when we started to see a, a lift after, during COVID, but during the summer through October, you know, numbers were pretty good. And, and certainly they were very good in certain parts of the country. We had markets, beach markets, um, you know, we also had mountain markets, Gatlinburg, Colorado Springs, Wyoming, that did very well in 2020 um, in that period between June and October. All right, I'm going to pick on you. So we got to get the business traveler back, right? How much of it is yeah. the lack of business traveler because one, people are uh, sort of afraid and uh, safety. Uh, two, how much of it is corporate uh, expense accounts that they aren't making any money. So they're not willing to let the employees travel again. And how much do you think of it as liability that the lawyers are saying you can't go? Anywhere? Yeah. It's all of that. <laughs> um, certainly liability as part of it. And, you know, looking at our, our own company here at STR, I'm really the only one traveling. Um, we don't want to ask employees to go out on the road in the middle of a pandemic. We don't want to put them at risk and we're not going to force that. So, and there is a liability risk if we were to have an employee get sick or, and something terrible happen. So that's part of what will kind of hamper the business traveler getting back. In addition to certainly, I think even equally, if not more, um, will be the budget. It's just, especially in our industry, when you look at uh, the companies and how hard everyone has been hit over the last year, there is no budget for travel. So it is like absolutely essential travel only. And that's it. And that will, that will still be in place in 2021. I think 2022 is where you really start to see that open up. Okay, good. So what do the numbers look like for 2022? Yeah, I mean, 
20, even bigger growth rates for 2022. So 25% um, jump in demand and ADR will be, it's a, we're forecasting a just over an 8% increase in ADR. So that's going to put Revpar growth at 32% for 2022. The issue is, you know, for the, for demand, we're going to get back to 2019 levels of demand by the end of 2023. So demand's going to come back. For, for 2021, we'll be back at 72% of 2019 demand. So, you know, demand, we don't, we have to worry about it, but we know there's pent-up demand, it's coming, especially on the leisure side. On ADR, that's where the growth rates are going to take a lot more long, um, a lot longer to recover. So we're not anticipating that we'll get back to ADR growth of at our 2019 levels until 2024, 2025. Um, and that's, you know, we're, we're not seeing tons of ADR growth right now. I think as we start to see the leisure demand open up over the next couple of months, you're going to see even more pressure on rates because everyone's going to be fighting for every stealing of, of share of demand that they can amongst their um, corner market there. So that, that will put rate pressure on what is happening out there and, and just going to slow the opportunity to grow ADR and, and room revenue. How, how concerned should I be on the operations side about the lack of uh, rate, uh, of the rate pressure and the lack of rate increase versus all the expense sort of that are coming specifically, especially the $15 minimum wage? That doesn't seem to balance out. How concerned should I be? Yeah. Um, certainly from a expense perspective there, you know, I, I don't operate hotels, but as I've been out there and, and I've asked the people who are doing these meetings at the hotels, I'm like, how do you do this? Because you have to have more staff to do a meeting with physical distance. Um, you know, you're using more space, less attendees when you're talking about meetings, it's just all added cost, cost, cost. I think where there are opportunities and what hotel operators have learned over the last year is, you know, how do you provide the right kind of service without adding a, a lot of expense? Hotels have done that well over the last 10 months. Um, I think as more people start traveling, though, the demands are going to be greater for services. Hopefully we can keep some of what we've instituted over the COVID period in place, but certainly expenses will continue to climb. Thankfully, I think um, the bill that was passed this weekend by the Senate did not include the $15 minimum wage. You know, I know that the hotel industry as a whole is behind increasing the minimum wage, but I think it has to be a well thought out plan that makes sense for the industry. You just can't jump to $15 an hour when you have, you know, an industry that has been decimated the way ours has been. And, you know, there's the job loss estimation is 40% of all job losses in the U.S. this year have been, for the last year, have been a part of our industry. I mean, that there's just no way you can take on all those additional extra expenses. When you, when you still, at this point, don't have anywhere near the business coming in the door that you had, you know, 12 months ago. When we can get that business coming into those large hotels and we see hiring coming back to those large hotels, I think we're going to be in a very good place for our industry. Do, do really you, optimistic then. Do you predict that? Do you have a, does STR have a prediction of when that hiring is going to come back? I got you. Second half. I, I hear you. Second half. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, 
we we don't it would be right at the I think for for any a lot of hotels are thinking about how do I attract leisure guests more because everyone knows it's leisure so there is hiring happening right now because everyone expects a really strong summer it's just a different type of business mix than you would than a lot of hotels typically would have had what you know well, let's pick on Nashville where, where you are your home city so because you probably know that better than anyone but Nashville is a great example right it was uh, it's it's got convention brand new shiny convention center that's probably empty right now. It's got convention hotels. Oh, by the way, it had the you know the Bachelorette City, so it had the leisure traveler on the weekends uh, and the like. Uh, I haven't yeah. even talked about supply. There was huge amounts of supply there, so maybe we'll talk about supply. But go pick on Nashville. What do you see? Still coming. That's right. Um, you know, it's funny. It. It's a city that people think I know it so well, but I actually don't spend a lot of time in Nashville, typically because I'm on the road all the time. But um, I, I was in Nashville a couple of weekends ago, uh, downtown, stayed downtown for a little mini birthday celebration for my daughter. And I was amazed at the number of people out on the street, on Broadway, going to bars. Um, and it, I don't know why I was surprised because I know people are, are itching to travel and have the experience. And I think Nashville is positioned very well to welcome those guests back. I think this week Nashville's starting to open up a little more some of the COVID restrictions. Um, we're not back at 100% capacity by any means, but there um, a few more restrictions are being lifted. So I think we'll start to see more travelers. But again, mask mandate. So everyone's standing in line outside for the to get in the bar wearing masks and um you know i think if it if that can work um if people will follow the rules like that's our new reality and the way we're living i think that's awesome that that's what we all have to get used to yeah i i yes i like the mask you at least feel safer <laughs> it's a sense of everyone feeling safe yourself and others you just can't wear it in the bar <laughs> when you're when you're drinking in the bar but the twenty-somethings already have herd immunity because they've been going out the whole time. So well, what we in Nashville they did what they found was that there was not a lot of transmission in restaurants and bars actually. So that is reassuring. Um, that was during the summer last year that I had heard those stats. So hopefully that that holds true now. Um, but yeah, all of the when I look across the top twenty-five markets. We expect positive rough car growth in 2021 for most of the top 25 markets. There's only a few markets that we think, okay, rough car is probably going to be flat to slightly negative. And those markets are Miami, Phoenix, and New Orleans. And we'll see demand come back and occupancies climb there. That's mainly going to be rate driven. That rates just a little more of a drag on the growth. And so they're still going to be at a slightly negative rough car growth rate for 2021. But everyone else in the top 25, leisure is going to drive it. And we expect rough car gains, positive rough car gains. How much of those three, specifically Miami, because they, they were the first ones out. Are they also the ones that had the highest growth in 20 or least fall? Um, yeah, I'll, I need to look at that um, to see if they where they landed for the year. I don't have that number in front of me, but certainly um, they are they I mean Miami had 80% occupancy last weekend so we're seeing strong occupancy rates in those markets already and rate is the dragger it's just the rates not growing in the same way because you don't have the same amount of compression and demand coming in 
All right, let's stay on markets. You started it. So give me other markets you think are going to do really well and give me some markets that you think are going to do poorly. Um, any beach market. Yes. I think, well, I shouldn't say any because California coast, California is still closed down, but certainly the Florida beach market, and we've seen this in January and February, Florida beach markets have done great. And I expect that trend to continue. And I think other um, beach markets or, you know, going back to those mountain markets that we saw last summer will also be strong. You know, the markets that will struggle will be New York, San Francisco, LA, Hawaii, just because of everything being closed down for so long, that's going to be, you know, they're, they're restarting later than everyone. And certainly there's a hurdle just with the travel. Um, Hawaii depends on a lot of international travel, just like San Francisco, New York, you know, we're not going to see international travelers coming back in this, in this year meaningfully. I think maybe hopefully in the second half of the year, we get some regional international travel, but you're talking Europe and Asia, that's not happening this year. And those gateway markets will continue to have a hard time until they can get the international travelers back. When is STR predicting that the international traveler will come back? Um, next year. So we do think this, at the end of this year, we'll see some some regional international, so hopefully Canada, Mexico sort of travel, um, but it will be 2022 before we start to see any real international travel. And that's, that's not back to where we were, it's just hopefully seeing it restarting is what we're anticipating. Are you seeing the open states? Can you see in the stats, the data, that the open states are faring far better than the closed down, shutdown states? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that, it's been that way since June, you know, where we saw Colorado, Wyoming, Corpus Christi, Texas, Myrtle Beach, the Florida beaches, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge. I mean, that's, I'm in Tennessee, and to see Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge top the list of best performing markets week after week during 2020 was kind of surreal to see that. But those are the the dry to destinations where you can get outside where people were comfortable going. And it's not just people comfortable going, but they're they're sure that it will be things will be open and that, you know, if I'm going to book travel, I actually can take that travel. And then when I get there, the attractions or whatever I want to do will actually be open for me, you know, restaurants. That certainly has been a, a, a challenge for me as I travel, that not everything is reopened. So finding restaurants and places you can go is, is a bit more challenging. And I'm a seasoned traveler, so it works for me. But for someone, a leisure traveler who's not a seasoned, that, those are some hurdles to overcome. So they're sticking to those places that they know are open. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, listen, Atlanta, we've seen a lot from the closed states, Michigan and the like, just coming to Atlanta to hang out and go eat at bars and restaurants and the like. So people make choices. Yeah. Uh, all right, talk to me about supply because I know you guys track supply. So tell me what's happening. Are we Is everybody stop building everything or no, no, we're going to head down. People are going to keep building. So the rooms that are under construction, which is vertical construction for us, under construction is you're out of the ground moving up. Um, it's 196,000 rooms, so it's down compared to last year. Not down significantly, it's like just over 1%. So the rooms that are in construction will happen. Absolutely, they're not 
pausing. They're not going. And, and in fact, I would say they're probably trying to get them open faster because you need to get open to be able to start making debt service. You need revenue coming in. Um, I know there are challenges for the projects that are under construction in terms of just the supply chain to get supplies to job sites has tremendously slowed because of COVID. So we had already seen an uptick in how long it was taking rooms to get open um, in that under construction. It used to be like eight, 12 to 18 months was the given. Everything was under construction. It could happen in that 12 to 18 month period. It's about 24, 28 months now, you know, maybe two, two and a half years that it's taking to get things um, under construction completed. What we have seen on the supply side are, are more projects in the planning and pre-planning phases being moved to abandoned or deferred. So in the 10 months of COVID in 2020, there were just like 330 projects that, that were in the planning or, or pre-planning, sorry, planning or final planning um, phases and they moved to either abandoned or deferred. So more are moving to deferred. I think a lot of people are putting it into deferred, let's wait, see maybe in a year we'll restart this, but they, they are definitely, if you're not shovel on the ground, vertical construction, you're, you're thinking, rethinking and saying, maybe I need to pause a little bit. Uh, yeah, we're hearing that from our developers, but I'd probably pause too, <laughs> or at least push <laughs> everything out a bit. Uh, and yeah. I'm assuming... Well, if you haven't gotten financing yet, which usually you haven't in those phases, like certainly financing, getting financing for a hotel in a pandemic when things are closed has been harder, I know. A lot more challenging. And I'm assuming it'll be interesting to see how that proves out in the data when that supply graph starts to shrink and maybe the demand is still picking up. Maybe that helps us recover faster too. Ah, but what do I know? Yeah, I think it depends on what market you're in, right? So it, it depends on where this new construction is coming in. Um, really, if, it, if it's an urban core of a top 25 market, that's going to be tough because those are going to be the last yeah. hotels to really see recovery. Um, Vegas has a lot of new hotels coming in, especially on the luxury, a lot of rooms, I should say, on the luxury side. So there's about, um, I think, 13,000 rooms under construction in the luxury segment across the country, but the bulk of them are in uh, Las Vegas. About forty percent of them in Las Vegas. How, what the, yeah. What are the numbers in Vegas right now? Is Vegas half full? Um. So we do not. We don't actually report on Vegas as a market because of so many casino hotels. But we know that they're not having the large casino. Sorry, the large scale meetings that they so often depend on. Sure. All right. So my takeaways are. Oh, and I, may, I may mess up these numbers, so I apologize. 16% RevPAR growth in 2021, all, of course, in the back yeah. end of the year. 32% growth in 2020, RevPAR growth in 2022. 2022, yes, absolutely. Okay. Big, big game. So and certainly, as we look at the monthly numbers, this moving forward in 2021, March is the year that it hit us. So we're going to have easy comps for the rest of the year. Oh, right. Oh, sure. So, so we can all feel really good about the performance. It's all in the stats. It's all in the data, how you, how you manipulate it. Uh, you guys are doing great. It is, it, it, it is a story of we will start to feel really good um, in the next few months. Things will be coming back. 
but there'll still be those hotels, most of the larger hotels, urban cores, top 25 markets that will be hurting for still several months before they start to see any real recovery. Oh, I love it. All right, Amanda, you're, you're a gem. You're a true friend for coming on and making me put you through this. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Chief. Cheers I appreciate it. It was great to Next week in uh, Snowmass. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Stay safe. Thank you. Take care. And keep traveling and come back and report. And I'll see you in May. I'll I will. If not before, I'll see you in May. In person, for sure. I'll be there. You're the best. Thanks, Amanda. Awesome. Thanks.